Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Yak Sports Podcast is back this week. Plenty to talk about. We're going to get into an interview with uh, state runner-up at Riverhead's coach Preston Woods. We're going to have uh, our continuing football previews, but we're going to start off with the state championship talk that happened this last weekend. And Joe Deck is with me like normal. And Joe, the Riverhead's girls went further than they ever have before. And that's why we have coach Preston on in the B block, but talking about it first, they went to the state semifinal where they've been, I believe the last four years. And this time they were able to find the victory, get the win, go to the state championship game for first time in, in um, program history and uh, it was it was a big win there, and then they got to the state championship and and came up against a really good Honeaker team who probably played one of their better games of the season as well. Um, and it was just tough going for the Gladiators. But in that, I watched the whole game uh, due to with the NFHS and listened to um, Bill Piner and Chip Crable call it on twelve forty. The girls never quit, and it was there was really something to be proud of watching that game. Even though the score was one-sided, the effort was not. Yeah, and I mean, here's the thing. I know the season didn't end the way the Riverheads girls wanted, but like you said, Honeaker is a really, really good team. And, you know, seeing Patrick Height tweet out some of those scores of other teams they've played, and you're just like, geez. Um, but for this team, it's it's a huge accomplishment getting to the state championship. I know they hope to, you know, be able to win, and I know you're going to be talking to the coach here and, People will hear it in the interview, and I think at the end of the interview, I thought you summed it up well, saying, you know, there's no reason to not have this be a goal again next year to get back deep tournament runs with this Riverheads girls team because it's turned into a very good program. And so I know this season didn't end well in terms of wins, a win in the state championship, but they made it through the entire season. They got to finish the entire season on the floor and not, you know, a situation like we alluded to last week with Charlottesville where their season ends because of a COVID outbreak. So I just want to say congratulations to those girls. Cause I know they put in a lot of hard work, not only to get to a state championship, but to, you know, avoid a COVID outbreak situation and be able to play those games. And I think yeah, any time we can have these teams get through what is a very difficult challenge and not having COVID outbreaks or anything like that, I think they need to be commended for that. Cause that shows the discipline uh, on the athlete side, not saying that people who have it aren't disciplined, but it, it just shows the commitment they had to making sure that they were able to play. And coach Woods hit on that and, and for good reason. And, but he also hit on the, you know, how senior led they were between, you know, Berkeley Tyree, Hannah Grubb, both seniors. You had Savannah Crawford, you had Sarah Campbell, who was a big contributor for the team. I mean, he, he, they were senior led and he depended on those girls, but and just in the same way that you say they were led by scoring with those girls, there was a lot of minutes on the floor by a lot of other players. I know that Dayton Moore girls in there a lot. Um, the Sacker girl was playing. You know, I watched them more in the playoffs than I watched them through the regular season. I think I only caught them once really focusing on them during the regular season. But in the playoffs, I watched a couple of games. And they have a lot of contributing factors coming from this list of juniors that they have next year. Next year, they'll be loaded with seniors. And you talk about you know, who they played right there, Honaker, two-time defending state champion now. They'll be, you know, looking to go for a three-peat, but they lose a whole lot of seniors. So if Riverheads can find their way deep again, even if they come up exactly with Honaker again or something like that, there's no – I mean, you you saw kind of their best effort right there with who they had as seniors, 1,000-point scores, everything they had. 
they're they're not on paper just ready to be that good again next year. And 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 maybe they do. Maybe they improve and, and great for them if they do. But I think Riverheads has a good opportunity here to kind of stay at this high level. And now that they've crossed that barrier of getting to that state final, knocking off a team from Region A, I think, you know, the sky's the limit. And, I, you know, been on this group, you know, being senior-led, I remember a group, oh, we're probably coming up on 10 years ago now, you know, it was – Moody and Casto and Heiser and, and others, I'm, I'm forgetting obvious names that were very good for the Gladiators and, and took them to that state semifinal, kind of a mark that they hadn't been for a long time before. And Riverheads has kind of stayed at a higher level kind of since that time, that, that road that that team paved. Um, you know, Emma Casto coming through, who's now the JV coach for this program. Uh, Sarah Moore just graduating, I believe, last year. You know, those other good teams that have come through here that have gotten deep into the playoffs and, and represented our area well, uh, you know, they took it one step further now. So good for them. And, I, yeah, no reason not to expect deep runs again. And I think it also highlights how good the area is in, in, in girls' basketball. We see this, especially in Rockingham County, that our teams go up there and play. But then also our teams play in each other with Fort Defiance and and Wilson and Buffalo Gap is usually really good. And Stewart's draft has had their times and Stanton is good. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving anybody out. Everybody is good at some times. And, you know, Riverheads has kind of maintained a, a high level because they get beat up basically during the regular season by these really good other teams. And then they're, they're battle tested when it gets to playoffs and they can go win that region. And now they've proven they can win in the state playoffs. So I'm excited to see what they can do. And uh, in these coming years and the fact that I have two daughters that I'm you know, pushing in front of the TV screen on Sunday to watch what these you know, girls from the same school that they're going to go to are doing makes me even more excited. And I, I know that's a long time down the road. I'm, I'm dealing with a second grader right now on the old end. Uh, so I got 10 years. But, you know, when I look back 10 years, it doesn't seem like that long ago when, you know, Carly Casto was out there. So it, it makes me excited about the future. Yeah, and that's the, uh, like you said, that's the good part about this area for Riverheads, and we, we talk about it all the time. Yeah, and Look, a lot is, of sports. is Region 1B outside of Riverheads great? Not In most sports, no. But it also helps Riverheads that they play teams that are going deep in Class 2 more years than not, going deep in Class 3. I mean, Wilson lost to Spotswood. Spotswood was the state runner-up. So, yeah. I mean, that's the thing there is Riverheads is playing these teams that have opportunities to play classes above them. And then when, like you said, when they get into class one, it's just smooth sailing because they've already played teams better than most of these teams. So I know the girls were hoping to beat Honeaker, would love to have won that state championship. But even with a senior laden team, I think you touched on it there. It's a heck of a season. And I expect to see Riverheads girls, you know, if not the number one seed, then a two seed in that region one B and expecting to make another run next year yeah and i mean the 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 girls basketball has been great this uh you know winter season and as we enter the fall season which is out of order uh you know we're gonna have volleyball coming Mm -hmm. and we're talking about the same kind of teams here riverheads they played in the state championship last year in in volleyball uh fort defiance they went to the states last year they finally got past that region mark and got out of the region uh which they had not not maybe ever done, but it's been a long time and, and very good players have come through Fort and not done it. So now we're going to jump right into volleyball where a lot of the familiar self suspects are going to have a chance to go deep in the season and, and we'll be talking about it here on Yak. So the other sports that we had uh, going on for championship weekend was a ton of wrestling. And I actually 
uh, was able to watch. I mostly turned in towards the final matchups uh, for Region 1B and 3C. I missed today with uh, 2B. But starting with Region 1B, Riverheads, you know, it's just <laughs> they just have that ceiling on above them. Well, it was Class 1. Grundy. Class 1. Class 1. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, Class 1. Uh, Riverheads coming out of Region B, 1B. They were the champion there. They have a ceiling above them called Grundy that they're just trying to just keep beating on and overtake. But Grundy wins their 24th state championship and uh, Riverheads comes in second. So some people would say that's about as high as Riverheads can hope for. That's obviously not what they're doing. They're hoping to win a state championship. It's it, it just takes a lot. They had six guys wrestling in finals matches on Saturday night. Uh, Robeson was able to come away with an individual victory there, repeat as champ uh, this time at 120. Uh, and then we had a bunch of state runner-ups, a lot of good matches. Um, Evan Ross, Cody Cash, Allenbaugh, Triple C, Yao, all those guys, state runners-up, all fought you know, hard in those um, state finals. But looking at, the, looking at that, I just listed off a whole bunch of names there. I didn't list too many seniors. I listed a lot of guys that are underclassmen that will be back, including a freshman at 113 with Yao. So, you know, as good as Riverheads has been the last five years at wrestling and before, but winning the region these last five years and, you know, competing for state titles and being in that top three as a team, uh, they're going to be knocking on the door again next year. But you know Grundy will be too because Grundy is just that state power. When you talk about wrestling in Virginia, you're not even worried about classifications. You talk about Grundy. Yeah, no class one school is going to feel bad for Riverheads in terms of, oh, we lost to a dynasty. (laughs) It's not fair. Grundy wins all these championships. We're like, yeah, okay, you've won, what, four straight football, and you're going to win five if nothing bad happens. So, um, yeah, no one feels bad for Riverheads coming up just short in a class one uh, athletic event. But, yeah, Riverheads – um, I was pretty impressed uh, that they got over a rural retreat. I thought rural retreat was going to be tough for them to beat. Um, but like you said, when you have six guys in the finals, that helps you in points. And so yeah. they were able to get up there and finish second behind Grundy. So congrats to all those wrestlers and congrats to uh, obviously <laughs> Robinson or Rob Robson uh, for winning Robinson, the yep. state championship. Uh, it, for was, it was funny watching year. it. You know, obviously a lot of the matchups for Riverheads are against Grundy guys because a lot of Grundy guys are in the finals. Mm-hmm. But then if there was one without a Riverheads guy and there was a Grundy guy, we're just rooting so hard for that other team to like <laughs> not to like Grundy not win. Uh, Rule or treat matchups were a little tough because you didn't want them on our heels. But uh, yeah, second's great. Uh, they did that, I think, two years ago. I think last year they were third. And if I'm wrong, I, I apologize to those. But I mean, they've been right here knocking on the door. And uh, hey, you can't can't win it unless you're right there. You got to be on the doorstep to mm-hmm. go through that door. So they, if, as long as you stay on that doorstep, just keep having that chance. Sure. Wilson, they were in uh, class three. They ended up fifth in the state. Um, two guys were runners up uh, from Wilson in their tournament, uh, including Kobe Sprouse and then uh, Habel, who's a junior. So we'll see Habel again, but um, congrats to both of them and congrats to that wrestling team. Again, I know like Riverheads, they're hoping for better than fifth place, but I mean, Christiansburg, uh, yeah, Skyline was really good this year. Yeah, 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 Christiansburg. Yeah, Christiansburg barely makes the podium, and that's a team that usually we're seeing at the top. So that tells you how deep Class Three was this year. Yeah, New Kent had a lot of points there. New Kent very strong this year. Two <laughs> yeah. B happened Monday. Uh, we're recording on Monday. Stewart Straft uh, had a couple, uh, three guys uh, finished second in the state. They finished seventh as a team, and then Gap had a bunch of guys medal, but none in the top three and. 
you know, overall, it was it was another good year of wrestling in the area. Stewart's Draft representing there in 2B. Uh, Buffalo Gap, not quite to the standard that they've set out there for themselves. A little off year here, but see what if they can get back next year. But Wilson and Riverheads, obviously, these last couple of years battled for the district title and then represented well at state. So uh, another good year in wrestling. And if you're into wrestling in this area, I mean, there's plenty of fun wrestling to see every single year, every single week. So uh, we'll keep on watching that as well. All right. College basketball. Virginia Tech hadn't played for two weeks. I'm sick of it. I'm bored out of my mind. The last time they played was when they were down at Miami and Couture had to hit that game tying shot at the end of regulation to send it to overtime. And then, and then the Hokies got the win from there. That was the last time they played basketball. So we are missing the Hokies playing. They went higher in the rankings this week to 16th without playing for another week, but it looks like they will get onto the floor Tuesday night against Georgia Tech. Uh, you shouldn't have said that. Um, we hope. <laughs> well, they did. They sent out a, twi- a Twitter message like Jordan-esque saying, we're back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so. we'll see. I don't know. But we got, we got so, we still have some time before that game tips off. I hope they do play the game against Georgia Tech because I think it's one we'll win. And then uh, Wake Forest on Saturday would be another likely win. So I hope Tech gets both games in this weekend. Did you see what Passner said today in the ACC calls that like every year the ACC should have 11 teams in the tournament? No. It was, I mean, he said it in like Twitter, like ACC Twitter just kind of melted around him. Like, okay, buddy, <laughs> like 11 teams every year. Like, especially in this year when the ACC appears to be down and especially Here's with the, the teams worst. that you're used to not being yeah. good. It's just, it was the wrong time to say it. Before and we I, move. Like, yeah, before Initially, we Initially, people ahead. on Twitter are basically like, yeah, you want 11 teams in. That's the only way Georgia Tech's getting in ever. So, <laughs> Yeah, before we move on to UVA here, the worst part about Duke uh, beating UVA is now the Duke is back stuff. Uh, I am, and of course, they killed Syracuse tonight. I am just, Duke is not a tournament team this year. They played terrible. They finally beat someone good, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, Duke's okay. Duke's back. Okay, they're fine. They're fine. I'm like, no, if any, if this was anybody else's resume, we would laugh them out of the room if they said they should be in the tournament. Yeah, I I don't think they're back by any means. They're playing better than they were, sure. But they've already dug themselves a heck of a hole. Yeah, but their name's knowing, Duke, so they're going to be in. Yeah, knowing, knowing the problem Just like with, Kentucky. You know, when, Kentucky with CBS, knowing ESPN, knowing everybody's spouting words all the time, I, I'll believe they're not in it when they're not. I'm not going to write them off because – it is still people in a room deciding. And just as much as you hate the football lack of playoff and what happens there, I, you know, in basketball, obviously they, they want Duke in there. So I'll believe they're not in until they're not in. I mean, they're playing better than they were. That's fine. They're still not a good team. And anybody, a UVA fan that thinks that loss to Duke on the other day is, you know, not a bad thing. You're better than that. UVA is better than that. They won a national championship uh. and you lost to a team that is bad. That is not good this year. You, you can't look at that and be like, oh, we're fine. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just That's not how I look at that game the other night from my point of view. I think I saw someone on Twitter say something like, uh, put up a stat. I don't know how good UVA is, right? Um, I know they're ranked yeah. high, but someone on Twitter put up an interesting stat that UVA only has one win against a team in the Kim Palm top 40. That's not good. That, that seems like a team that is just mediocre. Um, so... <laughs> I don't know how good UVA is, but it's the same thing as Kentucky. Kentucky went out and beat Tennessee this weekend, and so now Kentucky's going to be in the tournament. I mean, it's just they only need one win against a top 25 team. A team like Virginia Tech could have the same exact resume, and they won't get in. 
because yeah. oh well we don't recognize them and that's the problem yep. that's my problem with the the blue bloods and that kind of argument is we let that cloud our judgment on what is actually good and what is actually just name and at least with basketball you get so many chances to prove yourself that like it, sure. it shouldn't be that confusing and uh it somehow come middle of march yeah if duke, and, march, if duke and kentucky get those people in the room and they'll put them in if so. they get bounced in the first round of their conference tournament they should be out should be done. I definitely agree. Definitely agree. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with anything with Duke and Kentucky. Like I, I'm, I'm, I have excitement that those teams aren't in it because it makes it different. You makes those tournament brackets brackets so much harder to pick. All these people that beat me in the bracket picking every year just because they pick Kentucky and Duke and stuff and Michigan State and teams that make those runs. Uh, they're not going to have those you know easy picks to make, and they're not watching the sport will affect them. And me we'll paying talk. some attention except for what Villanova does, apparently, you know, I should beat them in a bracket. I, I still won't, but we doing it, that I this think year? I should. Yeah, we're doing that this year. Why won't we? Okay. I don't know everything else. I mean, we don't, we're not doing a lot of stuff that we usually do. So I don't know. Um, I don't, did we not do pick them for NFL? <sighs> kind of. Yeah. Some, a lot of us did kind of, I did it. Well, I won it. That when Leland wins it, Oh, we didn't even do that. What is that? What is that? That didn't count. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was only like you and Dan that were the only ones that picked the whole year. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the best team in the state, JMU. Um, they're I'm locked into that number not, one seed. I'm not in on that. They're locked <laughs> into that number one seed in the CAA uh, with with all the schedule changes that have happened for this weekend. They have one game left. It's against Drexel. It got moved up to Friday instead of Saturday. That means JMU went from last place in the conference to first place in the conference. It's the first time they've been the one seed in the conference tournament since 1993. Ooh. I just, just amazing. And for Coach Byington to not even be on the list of National Coach of the Year is offensive. I mean, show me who's doing a better job. I, I need like, to look like at the rest Mike of the list. Young, but, uh, Mike but Young's on the there, list. I mean, he's, he's on the list, and he's, he's good. Like, Mike Young is deserving. I just need to look at the rest of the list, I guess, because I'm, I'm having a hard time believing someone took – a mid-major worst team in their conference to first place. There's a whole lot of that going on. I, I just don't believe yeah. it. Yeah, I would. I would be surprised if you find too many other teams. But yeah, they had a quiet week, and uh, hopefully they can keep it going. Uh, the girls split with Delaware this weekend, so mm-hmm. uh, they're trying to find their way there in that CAA girls side. Um, but yeah, and I thought they can do here in March. Yeah, the the loss they had was on Saturday, and that was in a game that went into overtime, in which. If you're the underdog, giving the favorite more time to beat you is never a good thing. Um, you want to end it when you can. It's it's like whenever we're in the college overtime. I am a firm believer. And if you're the worst team and you have a chance to end it without the better team getting the ball again, you do it. You go for two. Same toward the end of regulation on the same way. You don't kick the extra point for overtime. You go for two and try to win. So... Um, now, obviously, this is basketball. That's not really what happened. JMU didn't make enough free throws, and Delaware backed to three toward the end and forced overtime, and then JMU lost in overtime. On Sunday, it looked kind of like the same thing was about to happen. JMU was starting to miss free throws, and their big lead started to evaporate. Delaware was coming back, yep. The odd thing was Delaware, with three seconds on the clock, decided not to foul JMU, only down three, after JMU had missed three or four straight free throws. So, I mean, I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they won. But to me... The other thing I'll say before we move on from JMU is that game on Sunday was kind of evidence to me. Sean O'Regan gets a lot of grief because he's following Kenny Brooks, who was 
an all-time great coach on in yeah. basketball on either side. Uh, maybe the best coach to ever coach at JMU when you're talking about basketball either side, uh, women's or men's. For what he did at JMU, probably For what so. he did at I mean, JMU. Giselle would be the name you would come up with, yeah. but he didn't do that at JMU. Right, yeah, most of his success was outside of JMU. Now, he yeah. did have success at JMU, but um, Kenny Brooks had, uh, you know, just he built that girls program, basically, and so yeah. he had that team in the top 25. He had them in Sweet 16s, so yeah, it, it, it was impressive from Kenny Brooks, and now he's at Virginia Tech because that's what happens when you get an all-time good coach like Kenny Brooks, so uh, Sean O'Regan's just following that, and I think people got used to something that's not really something that a lot of mid-majors are used to. Like Going to the tournament once in a while is is pretty usual. And so seeing Coach O'Regan take, learn from Saturday's tough overtime loss, getting that team turned around, and shutting down the best player in the conference that Delaware had for an entire half. So, Jamie, you could get a huge lead, and then they clung to it because, again, the girl that they were going up against uh is just one of the best players in the conference um in jasmine dickey so she started to play like the best player in the conference in the second half but jmu had done enough to hold on they got her in foul trouble which limited her second half minutes too and it allowed jmu to hold on and get the win so to me when people are like oh we got to get somebody else i'm like who are you gonna get who are you gonna get yeah like you you, you need to recognize a little bit like we're a CAA team. Like, who are you going to get? If, you're, if your answer is, well, you know, maybe Kenny will come back. Kenny ain't never coming back. I mean, he's in the ACC. I mean, he, he's going to get a good run there at, at the ACC. And He's and taken Virginia Tech, I think, to their best. Well, yeah, they're I, at their best spot they've been yeah. in, a, like, a long time. I think when I was at Tech, we had a pretty good program there. But, I mean, we're talking 15 years ago, t- 10, 15 years ago now. So, like, he's really reached him up. He's not coming back anytime soon, if ever. Um, and the only reason you even hope to get him back is because he is a local guy. You know, the other names you would throw at in the future, not now, in the future, Nikki Newman is on a assistant uh yeah. coach at Rad for now. Like let her get, you know, learn the learn the coaching ranks and do what she can do. Um, maybe one of Kenny Brooks's kids are gonna be coach. You know, you start looking at that kind of thing. But that's in the future. That's not anytime soon. Reagan oh, Reagan's fine. Leave him leave him alone, let him coach. They're gonna win a conference title soon enough and everybody'll shut up. And and I, yeah, I don't even understand it. I none of these thoughts go through my brain at, at any point. So he's not Kenny Brooks, but who is? Yeah, and look, I'm I'm no. I, I've said plenty of things about Jamie coaches I haven't cared for, especially in basketball with Lewis Rowe. But um, yeah, Brady, I, I think and Brady <laughs> and Dean Keener and yeah. So uh, I think JMU's finally got two good basketball coaches running their yeah. programs and. I think you see that on the floor. So that's that's been great. And hopefully the JMU men can win the CAA tournament. They're the top seed. It's in Harrisonburg this year in the new building, which will be cool. And hopefully the girls, I can't remember where that conference tournament is. I want to say it's in Elon, but I might be wrong. Um, it's Elon or Charleston, I feel like. But either way, that's not important. Hopefully the girls do well and maybe yeah. steal a conference championship and get into that tournament. That would be cool. I mean, I, I will say, once you split with Delaware and – both games were very close. You look like you belong on the floor. Like anything is possible. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah. Not going too far away from uh, what we're talking about there. Go to a JMU football team. They uh, absolutely shellacked Moorhead state 52 to nothing in a very boring game. It, it set up for me like a good NASCAR race. I was napping quickly 
uh, when I got caught up into that game. It was 21 nothing before I even got to it. Um, but uh, not a lot to talk about there. I, I don't know how you even measure JMU's team from that game against Moorhead State. Moorhead State just absolutely outclassed. Um, it was cool seeing Rivenberg, uh, you know, getting playing time uh, for Moorhead State, playing on that field. The last time we saw Rivenberg, you and I, I, I think the last time we watched him play live was on that field against East Rock, and he racked up like 300 yards and uh, had a big stat game there. So it was cool to see him playing um, after, you know, going through Virginia Tech uh, and then transferring over there. So it was cool to have the local kid on the on the field. Honestly, by the time I was watching that game, it was already decided, and I was just looking uh, for Rivenberg's number on the field. And he got some good carries in the second half. Um, they didn't accumulate to a whole lot, but Hey, he's, he's in a good spot there getting playing time and happy for the kid. Yeah. To answer your question on, you don't know how to measure it. You measure it the same way you measure Alabama's success when yep. they play Troy. I mean, yep. it, you, you take the same amount away. I know JMU's excited. It's the first football game of the year and there's excitement in that. And it's a 52, nothing win. But for me, this game and here comes another this one game. And yeah, the, the Robert Morris game, which is next week. These are games where only bad things. Not played things. in your front yard? Not going to be in your front yard No, this year? it's going to be in Harrisonburg okay. again. Um, I don't think they play in my – they don't play in the parking lot here because they're above it, and Robert Morris is, is a gutter team. Again, it's my problem with scheduling these gutter teams at the beginning of the season. I just don't care. It's hard enough to get me invested in FCS football, but to, to get me invested in low-quality FCS opponents is impossible. There's no chance I'm going to get invested in those games. Only bad things can happen. Acknowledging the fairness of, of our criticism right here, them having them on the schedule right now, fine, whatever. Is whatever. Games, yeah, you got to get games. Year, but so, these yeah. are the same teams you played in the last three years during a regular, normal, yeah. non-pandemic time. So that's that's what we're talking about. Right now you're getting games in fine. But, uh, yeah, it, it's not it's not fun. And they play again noon this week against Rob Morris, and it'll be a very, very similar score. Right. I it's mean, It's like when Virginia Tech plays Old Dominion or – or JMU. <laughs> Only bad things can happen. No good things come away from those games. You don't win those games by 80 points and go, yeah, look at us. You lose those games and you're like, uh-oh. Like, that's the only, only bad news comes from Moorhead State and Robert Morris games. Only bad news. There is and no really good really, those news. teams, that separation is so much, it's more injuries and in-game problems than you mm-hmm. than you are wins and losses. I mean, that the separation is is further than what yeah, JMU really, could have played the backups. Tech and, and JMU when they lost to them, and, and Old Dominion when they lost to them. Like Virginia Tech wasn't as good, and JMU is at the top of FCS, you know, the top echelon. Uh, obviously, looking up at North Dakota, but not anybody else. Yeah, JMU could have played backups, and they would have won this game comfortably. I mean, Moorhead State is not good. It's not a good team. Neither is Robert Morris. They'll play Elon, William, Mary, and Richmond this year in home and homes. And to be frank, I don't think any of them are going to be in the game. So uh, we might be looking at six walk walkthroughs in conference and then so that's what eight no and then you got the playoffs so i don't know i mean you like to put this on riverheads like no one's within 21 points of them looking at that schedule man like is anybody within like 35 of jmu on this season someone will probably get within 35 but i don't know i don't know you can't gamble on it because it's an in-state institution so (laughs) all right let's get out of here and let's talk to Coach Preston Woods from Riverheads. Uh, good interview here. And uh, we'll talk about the season and the big state championship game. And uh, looking forward to it. All right. Next on the Exports Podcast, we have Coach Woods from Riverheads High School. And he just got done 
coaching the girls all the way to the state championship game, the, the best season in program history. Uh, not too bad for a second-year coach. But, Coach, thanks for coming on to the Export po- Sports Podcast. Yes, sir, and it's glad to be here. So talk about uh, the achievement here of getting to that state championship game, uh, you know, that mark that's never been set before for any of the Riverheads, Gladiators, girls basketball teams. Uh, you know, what kind of accomplishment do you feel from that, especially at knowing it's your second season here in this program? I think the uh, future is looking up. Um, if you'd have told me when I first got this job that two years later that I'd be in a state championship game, I'd have laughed. Uh, I've talked to many, many coaches as coached 20 some years and would love to be in my position. I'm just grateful. I'm, I'm humble. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I think Riverheads is a good fit for me, and uh, the kids worked hard. Uh, I've got, I got the best out of my kids um, from really the first night to the last night. And, and we just preached all year long to be the best you can be um, every single day. And I, I feel like with that motto that we got better every day. I don't want to dwell on the, on the game. Obviously, it didn't go the way all of us wanted it to. Uh, but um, it was a hot shooting uh, game for uh, Honeaker. And I, how do you handle that in game? You did well, whatever you did, because the, the girls kept fighting. That second half, they were fighting till to the end, uh, never gave up. What do you say to your players in, in that moment when you're just up against, uh, obviously, a talented team, but a team also probably playing one of their best games of the season at the, at the right time? Um, at that point, we just we talked about it at halftime and really the second quarter, uh, buckling down being the, and giving, you, giving me your best. Um, uh, like you said, the kids never gave up. We've been down this year a couple games, and we never given up, called back, and, and really came back to win it. Um, and looking at stats after the game, really we won the second half, and even the second quarter we, we were competitive. So take away the first quarter, we are right there. Um, it looks up. The future is bright. Uh, the, kids, the kids are hungry for next year. I think we're going to get even more of a push to get there. The kids got a little bit of taste, so... I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited for the future. You should be. You definitely should be. Um, talk about this season some. I mean, you had a good group of girls. You had some important seniors, but you also have a lot of girls coming back. Uh, talk about the dynamic of your team and the, and the leadership of your team. Uh, we relied a lot on our seniors to score and step up. Uh, underclassmen are going to have to step it up um, as far as leadership. Um, we do have a lot coming up from the JV. Team, uh, we only we, had what, like one loss. This one year? loss. Yeah. One loss. So we were very competitive, both levels. Um, yeah, it, we're looking up. <laughs> That's all I can say at this point. Um, I think our underclassmen are going are really going to step up. Um, I talked about it in a couple articles to the paper. The bench came through. Well, a lot of our benches all underclassmen. Yeah. So. Uh, they've gotten that experience, region, state level. So I. I hope to just keep pushing forward. The uh, during the season, you you beat Fort Defiance this year. Uh, that had to feel good. I mean, coming from the staff that you had came from, and and, and correct me if uh, if you beat them last year too. But I beat them this year. It, it had to feel good to to a good Fort Defiance team that you had been a part of that program. Probably coached many of those girls. Um, talk about maybe that moment. I, I'm sure you're not gonna say anything negative or, or anything like that. But how good did that feel? It felt really good. I felt like I felt like that for us was a turn of the season because, like you said, Fort's a very good team. Yeah, they're very well coached. Um, me being a part of that staff, being a part of that staff, um, I know they're going to be well coached, well prepared for us. So 
and he wants to beat me just as bad as I want to beat him. So, and those kids, I've coached all of them. They're good kids. We got good kids, and I think it'll always be a clash. Is definitely since I've been there and he's been there. So, yeah, it. I think that was the turning point in our season because they were they're a very good team, and and that just showed our potential of what we can be. Awesome, and you know it's hard to look at this season, think about this season, and not address the the COVID and uh, everything you've had to deal with that. You've coached plenty of years, assistant coach, head coach here last year. You you know what a non-COVID year is like. Talk about just some of the, what's the, one of the, some of those surprising things that you had to deal with this year that maybe you didn't expect. Like, sure, you knew, you knew you're going to have certain standoffs. You're going to maybe face a delay, which I, I don't believe you did. But uh, some of the stuff you knew going into the season, what was something surprising that you dealt COVID-related that you just didn't expect? How much contact basketball truly is. Um, <laughs> that, the, getting rid of the jump ball didn't solve it all, huh? No, no, it didn't, it didn't at all. Um, really staying six feet apart, maintaining social distance, uh, wearing a mask. Um, I realized how hard it is to, to coach in a mask. And, and I think our kids adjusted well overall. Um, we never really stopped. We've been, we were very fortunate this year because I know other teams were out at least two weeks. So, yeah. So, I felt like we did a very good job here at Riverheads, um, maintaining social distance and, and maintaining our, our protocols. Great. So uh, you're positive about next year. There's no reason not to be, and uh, we look forward to seeing what you guys can do with, uh, with those coming back, and we'll keep watching. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, sir. All right, continuing our football preview, we dig into the uh, teams that had more success last year on this week's previews. But first, talking about some of the latest news from high school football draft is now opening against Glenver, apparently. Uh, they were supposed to play Broadway the first week. I don't even think I've updated my notes for this, but now they're playing Glenver. Uh, Broadway had a delay with their game that was supposed to happen Monday night. They're now playing Tuesday night uh, at JMU versus East Rock. Uh, but that messed up the schedule there. And now uh, Draft went and found Glenver, I guess, to play them on Friday. And uh, so they'll stay on schedule there. And then most of these Rockingham County teams, they're playing this week at JMU. So even though it's not the usual year and the usual showcase that they plan for JMU, these teams still get the opportunity to play on that nice stadium, mostly because it's a turf field. So uh, that'll be fun for the kids to open up the season that way. But diving into the previews for the season and let's let's start with the team that you talk local high school football you're talking riverheads 20 straight 26 straight wins fourth straight state championship uh 17 of those 26 straight wins have been 40 plus points or more wins um they just they're dominating they're just in the middle of one of the most dominant streaks that we've seen especially in class one but also at any level uh in the state you know, winning four straight state championships put them in a, a great company of, I believe, Fe or no, Phoebus was only three. Uh, Highland Springs was at four. Uh, you're going into history with yeah, some top-notch all-time programs. Mm -hmm. Salem might Salem, have had yeah. four one year. Yeah, yeah. Salem's one, one of them. So yeah. that's where they're at. And uh, Coach Robert Casto coming into his 25th season, a season that's going to be unlike any other, a shortened season being played in the spring. But expectations remain the same for this team. And and Coach Casso says it himself. I mean, they're here to win state championships. And, I mean, he said that early in his career. This isn't something they just said the last four years. This is something that's been going on 20, 25 years, you know, 20-plus 20, 20 years. 
um, once they won one, that kind of came the expectation. And they've lived up to it really well in the last five years, just going there every single year, winning the last four. They're going to start this season off playing Tazewell. That's the only kind of unknown about this season, as then you have your district season where Riverheads beat each one of those teams, you know, solidly last year. Fort Defiance being the closest one of those games at 28 nothing. Um, but, you know, you're going to be replacing your quarterback, Elijah Dunlap. Well, his younger brother started the season at quarterback last year. He's supposed to be on the roster this year. They also have other guys that are competing for that spot. Uh, you lose uh, Brayson Fulton. He, he came into the program one year, ran well, but as we know, Riverheads has a slew of running backs. We saw him last year, still underclassmen coming back. Um, you know, Cole Burton, Noah Smiley are some fullbacks. You have Aiden Miller, who even as a sophomore, probably would have been starting on most local teams with the speed and the moves that he has. He's just now going to probably get an opportunity to get meaningful carry, you know, a lot of meaningful carries. Um, they're just loaded. And I said all that, and I haven't even brought up Zach Smiley. Yeah, I mean, it's the problem that everybody has with Riverheads. If you stop one guy, then the other two or three will kill you. So <laughs> it's it's like a four-headed monster, and unfortunately, nobody has the talent to be able to stop all four heads. So um, I don't know what you want me to say. They're going to go undefeated. They're not going to lose a game. Yeah. It's hard to predict that they that they would. I mean, Taswell's the only good one that you look at and like Taswell's well, the only one I don't they are. Yeah. Taswell's the only one. I don't know if they'll be within three scores or not. Like, and, and you look there in a district with Graham and Richlands and uh, teams that are very good, but it's not like they're beating those teams generally. So I, I don't know. Riverheads plays upper, you know, classification teams all the time and they win those games. Uh, they play them in district and win. they play them out of district and win. I, you know, as long as they got Zach Smiley on the field, I have so much confidence in this team because I just seen Zach Smiley since he was a, freshman coach Castro put him out on that field knowing that no matter what he does he's going to fall forward and get four yards and usually way more than that I mean just the state championship game last year you talk about if you can stop one guy well last year in the state championship he had 17 carries 145 yards two touchdowns and an interception return for touchdown like he was dominated the field and okay so something weird happens Zach Smiley's up they're still the favorite they're still so loaded so talented because they're so well coached brought up through the system they all know what they're doing and the riverheads is the perfect example predictively of what this pandemic is doing to people you have less preparation things are off this is a team that just can get plugged right back in there's no learning new offense there's no new coach there's a bunch of guys with a playing experience and you just expect them to go out on the field and play well and the reason you expect that is because they've done it for 25 years yeah uh i don't i don't have much to add to that other than <laughs> Again, we're I, not going to argue about Riverheads. Yeah, I, this isn't where we're going to have a disagreement on this on today's episode. Um, but and and that's because of you know the program that Coach Casto's built there, and they're just they're just too good for Class One. And, and I'm not saying you know the VHSL has to force them to move up because of the way they're doing the classifications based on school population, it is what it is. Um, but I've said you know, and people think I'm joking. I'm dead serious. They should just give the Class One championship to Riverheads. Let them play their six-game schedule, and then Riverheads waits for the two Class 2 champion. Plug them into the darn Class 2 playoffs for all I care. Well, I mean, we were saying it. Just Everybody else play for second in Class 1, yeah, and you can go play in Salem for it. And Riverheads, you know, what's your PowerPoints? Get plugged into the Class 2 playoffs. I, just, I mean, 
put them into class region 2B, and we're going to talk about draft and gap. No one in 2B is better than them. So Yeah, you put in here, like, who who beats them? Galax, Chilawi, Patrick Henry, George With none. None no. of them. Chilawi, Chilawi is a team they beat twice, two, year, like, two years in a row in state championships. Are they any? Are they 35 points better? No. Essex, not playing football this spring, fall season. Doesn't Patrick matter. Patrick Henry, I... I, I don't know George with I okay I'm not scared of any of those teams I mean Galax is the team they played last year in the state championship their coach is now at um Pulaski Pulaski. County yeah and, and not that Galax I think just falls off the map but I mean he's a good coach he's they a did good lose coach. some he players heads too. In a state championship five yeah. years ago like he's a good coach but well, you got to see what they're going to do first yeah and that was the only good game they had it was a seven-point game yep and, and really they still I mean, were clearly better in that's the thing yeah it was a seven-point game they were still clearly better yeah, it was a seven-point game that Riverheads was not worried about losing at any point. They were just better. Right. They're the better team. And so, like... Just waited for that coach to throw a pass into the wind. And I don't know how many times. <laughs> and I know, I mean, I'm sure if that ever got to him, he's probably like, well, that punk's up in the press box. He's not coaching here. He doesn't know. And I'm like, well, I mean, this punk in the press box knows you don't throw into the wind five times when you throw four picks already doing it. So, I guess... I just, he is a good coach. He is a good coach. I just don't understand how he couldn't see that. Cause I'm like, he just wasn't patient. He just wasn't patient. He got, he just he couldn't hold it. Ugh. But I mean, look, and again, this is no disrespect, but I've watched Riverheads beat Chilawi by 40 something points two years in a row. Take Chilawi, pick any other class one team, make an all-star team and Riverheads beats that team. Like I don't care. Like, I don't have any respect for any of these class one teams Riverheads is going to play this year. So it is what it is. Let's talk All about right, draft. Riverhead. Let's talk about draft. They'll play Riverheads in the last game of the season. I'm sure we talk about that a lot here in six weeks. But first you talk about draft. Nathan Floyd come back for a seventh season. You know, he's been there a while now, and they've been consistent winners with him there. Very few down years. Last year was the absolute pinnacle year to this point. 13-2, and two, state runner-up, best season in school history. Uh, just had answers on both sides of the ball, able to score, able to stop people. There you know, are two losses. There were two state champions. They lost to Riverheads in the last season. They lost to Appomattox in the state championship. And they, they were pretty dominant throughout the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of teams that they're playing this year, obviously in district, that they've already beat before. The... The wild card now is, yeah, they had Broadway on the schedule, but now they have Glenver. You know, how do they match up against Glenver? I like that matchup. Seeing what Glenver was just last year when they played Riverhead, seeing how those two teams matched up. I like this matchup. It's a very first week of the season. We're going to get a good idea what Stewart's draft is. And Glenver's a team that can beat Stewart's draft, even if Stewart's draft's really good this year. Glenver's a good program. They've been to state championship games. Solid program down there. So I, I'm excited to see what happens Friday night with that game. That's that's a heck of a ball game to start off the season. And it's going to tell you a lot about what Stewart's draft's goals are for the season. And and to be fair, and, and not to and we're going to come back and talk about who they're missing and who's back, but looking a little bit at this season, if they are able to be successful through the district season, but do fall maybe early to Glenver and with Riverheads in that last game, shortened season, half the playoff teams, it it could make a big difference on what's happening for the Cougars. So it's just something to watch. You know, you hate to have all the pressure of who's making the playoffs in week one, but I think for sure draft with this matchup with Glimper, I, I think it tells a story. No, I, I was going to just say that. I think the Broadway game, I think Stewart's draft wins that easily. 
Sure. I know I know the talk in Broadway is, you know, new team, new year, better team, whatever. Okay. Still still lose by multiple scores to Sewers Draft, in my opinion. So um but Glenver, like you said, is a different animal. Glenver is better than Broadway. So yes. that's gonna be a tough game. Good news for Stewart's Draft, it's at home. Um so Glenver's coming to you. But You've got to be ready to go, and I know they're losing a lot, and that's this is kind of the one game outside of Riverheads that I worry about for Stewart's draft. And like you said, in a season where only four teams from each region are going to the playoffs, this could decide whether you go to the playoffs and it could be week one. Because as much as I like Stewart's draft compared to the other teams on the schedule, I don't like them against Riverheads. So four and two is four, four, four and two, and two is, no is you need some help, and five and one, I think you're good. But five and one, you're probably Five and one and two B, you're in. Four and two, you might need some help. And so for me, and if I'm Stewart's draft, I, I think you got to be ready to go. I'm interested to see what Coach Floyd does with Kobe Rothgib and how he plugs him in to the Stewart's draft offense this year because obviously that's somebody we've and seen. Aaron Nice. Yeah. Well, but that's what I'm saying. You have Aaron Nice and you have Dustin Fitzgerald already and, and Blake Roach, yeah. who we haven't mentioned yet either. So. How does where does Rothkin fit in? I mean, that's where that's what I'm interested in seeing. Where does he fit in? Um, I, I I would imagine, given some of the losses they have on the defensive side, we might see Rothkin on the defensive side of the ball too. So I'm very interested sure. to see how he fits yeah, in, sure, with the Stewart's draft team and what Coach Floyd and the Cougars can do if they beat Glenver in that season opener. I think Stewart's draft is definitely in the class two Region B playoffs, and I think you know we talked about it last week with Cody. Uh, I think then Stewart's draft, you know, sky's the limit, kind of. I mean, they could come out of that region very easily. It's just going to be a question of East Rock, Luray, who who's there and who's who's playing to the best of their ability come postseason. Luray's one of those teams you really watch out for there. They're, as Cody said last week, they're returning so many guys that we're familiar with. And for Stewart's draft, another interesting area I want to see, especially when we talk about how many different guys that – they have to plug in on this offensive side of the ball that you would expect to be productive, including Rothgib, added to Aaron Nice, Fitzgerald, Roach, like we were saying, is that both guys that played quarterback for Stewart's draft, not on the roster this year. Uh, Freddie Watkins gone to graduation. He was the guy they bring in kind of as that wildcat quarterback and the more running quarterback. But Henry Cook, who, who played a solid quarterback position, took care of the ball, you know, got the ball into the right people's hands, threw up good balls to to um, Watkins and, and whoever else was out there trying to catch them, um, Joel Howard. Who's, who's still on the team, you know, who do they have at quarterback that can kind of fit that role or do they kind of modify that role and, and use it more, more wildcat. And is one of those other names that we're pl- talking to running back playing the quarterback position, taking the snaps more. It, it'll be interesting to see what coach Floyd does with, you know, this roster of guys. We've seen him make adjustments a couple of years ago. They were one and ro- running one kind of offense and then completely started running a different kind of offense in the middle of the season. Cause it just wasn't working. Um, so we know Nathan Floyd is, it's not just stuck to one kind of offense. He's going to use the talent he has the best way he thinks. Yeah, and I think that's, again, that speaks to Coach Floyd and what he's been able to do there at Stewart's draft. Um, yeah. Like you said, he's not stuck. If, he's, if he sees something's not working, he's able to adjust on the fly, and, and Stewart's draft turned into a brand-new team then. So, uh, unfortunately for Coach Floyd, he's going up against another great coach and Coach Casto in the district, and that makes those Stewart's draft Riverheads games so important. Unfortunately, right now, I just think Riverheads has so much talent. It's tough for them right now to overcome. But, I mean, we've seen Coach Floyd beat Riverheads. So, I mean, it's not impossible for Stewart's draft to win. I just, 
I think once we get toward that end of the season, and we'll talk about it again come week six, it's just hard with with the pieces that are in place for both of these teams right now for me to see Stewart's draft overcoming that. Hmm. All right, Buffalo Gap, Bison, Coach Brad Wygant out there in his second year. They went six and five last year, got into that playoffs, then had to face draft again, and then fell worse to draft the second time than they, than they did the first time, uh, playing them pretty tough uh, during the regular season. They are one of those teams we talked about last week and, and we talked a lot about gap last week, but we didn't really preview them. But these, these teams that barely made the playoffs last year, you know, you got to be better to make the playoffs this year. You're, you got to be, you know, a win or two better definitely to make the playoffs in this shortened season with half as many playoff teams coming. You got to be a top four seed in that region. And so you look at their schedule and you got Bath County to start the season. Okay. We'll, we'll, Probably mark that down as a win. But then you jump into your your district season. The good thing for Buffalo Gap is they had a good district season last year. They lost a draft in Riverheads, beat everybody else. If they can repeat that, they're sitting, you know, at four and two with assuming a, a, a Bath County win to start the season. Can they find a win against Stewart Draft or Riverheads? That's a tough task. I think Stewart Draft's a very good football team, even with all that they're losing. I just you know, they played them twice last year. This coaching staff played that team twice last year. Did they find something in those games that they can build off of, assuming Stewart's drafts run in a similar style? I, I don't know. Riverheads, you know, that seems even less likely, obviously. I mean, we, we just gave the state to Riverheads. You know, losing your quarterback, Seth Fitzgerald, he was a team leader on both sides of the ball. You had Tucker Karakoff, who ran the ball really well. You lose both those guys. But then you have you start listing off a, a lot of guys that got thrown into a lot of situations last year uh, with Hildebrand, Wiltshire, um, and uh, the Chad Klein kid on defense being a standout. The Trevor Rankin, Jacob Arnold, a lot of good talent still at Buffalo Gap. And, and the thing I always come back to at Buffalo Gap is somehow, some way, more years than not, they find a way to get a win that you don't expect them to get. I think it's harder this year with a shortened season. I don't know where to put that game. But it, I, I, this is why I give them the best chance at providing that surprise victory that I might not expect. I'd have to, just out of process of elimination, I have to look at draft first. But I, 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 if I had to pick that game today, I'm picking draft. But I think Buffalo Gap, the way that program has run for years, and it seems like Brad Wagon picked it up right there, I just, I'm, I'm interested to see what they can do this year. And, and if anybody's going to surprise us, I think it's this team. Yeah, and I guess I just I, that's me saying I don't think anyone's going to surprise us. I think this year is okay. going to be pretty chalk. Um, I think, and so. I think it's I, because I, it's hard to disagree with that in a in a shortened preparation year. It's, yeah, it's hard to argue that. And, and I think the other reason for that is, and I I think if you see a surprise, it might be Gap drops a game this year that you don't expect versus picks Maybe. up a game Maybe. because I, I know you said, oh well, you know they lose Fitzgerald and Karakoff, but look at all the people. Okay, I mean, cut off your left and right hand but look at all the other body parts you have. I mean, those guys were Buffalo Gap last year. So when you lose both major parts of your team, yeah. We just did I, this with Stewart's draft, though, too. I mean, we just cut off our left and right hands with Stewart's draft, too. I mean, nah, not they, really. they just had a couple more hands. But Casey Branch was the defensive player of the year in the area last year. Okay, and that's fine. But Aaron Nice and Dustin Fitzgerald, I mean, if anything, we're talking about like a octopus for Stewart's draft. I guess Riverheads would be the <laughs> octopus. And I don't know. Stewart's draft is some kind of hybrid that has – Less than eight, but more than two. Five yeah, I, I mean, I, I just, I, I just think Buffalo Gap is to me. It was kind of a two-man offense, and they 
they lost both of those major pieces. So I don't know. Wiltshire was like a complimentary piece that at, when Karakoff needed a break, you'd see get the ball. But I, I didn't see him be the feature guy. So I, I need to see that. I also don't think he has the speed of a Tucker Karakoff, which is going to hurt. So he's not going to be running away from people. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I just don't I, know how different looking at Gap's preseason this year is than it was a year ago. Like, oh, how do they place uh, Carter Rivenberg? Uh, how do they replace this? How do they replace that? I, I, they find ways. Tucker and, Karakoff and, had speed. That's how. I mean, I, I don't see a lot of speed on this team. And, and so for We're me... Up. For me, I, I see a game where, you know, they beat Wilson, they beat Fort last year. Um, and Fort was that game that a lot of people didn't have picked. I picked it. I like to you remind did. people that. Yeah. But I, a lot of people didn't have that game picked. A lot of people had Fort winning it, going to the playoffs, and, and you know, the good story. I I don't know. I mean, that's going to be a tough game. I think that's it's probably going to come down to the last night of the season again to see who wins that game. I don't think, you know, if I'm, if I'm picking every single game right now, I'm not picking either one of these teams in the playoffs, but I, I do think like that's kind of the, who has a positive season or not game for those two teams is that that season finale with Fort. Yeah. And I want to see what Wilson does with their new coach. We talked about it last week. It's a new coach, new, new system. I want to see how well they can do. Um, yeah. So I don't know. One thing I really I, I like think about Buffalo, Buffalo gap. gap yeah, if I'm making a prediction right now, I think they're four and two, and I think they're on the outside looking in. And we'll get to predictions in a minute. You can say it again. I do like on Buffalo Gap a lot of these names that are returning were guys that were good on defense and on a defense that also needs to improve. So I, I think that they can get better with those guys because some of those guys were the the better pieces of their defense. I think they can they can get a little more leaner on defense that could really help them and, and you know get that points scored versus points allowed separation a little bit better. And does that produce many more wins? Not in a six game season, but could it make just the right difference at the right time? All right. We talked about predictions. We pretty much already said most of them, but let's go through the list. Leland and Joe's predictions for the season. And I just put win totals for each team. And we're going to say either over under, or that's what we're picking. So Waynesboro, I think, they get a win. I think they find a win this year, whether it's versus Wilson in the first game or versus Broadway in the last game. I think Waynesboro finds a win and that might just me be rooting for it more than anything. Yeah. I hope they get a win. I don't think they will, but I hope they do. So I'm calling even you're calling under Stanton storm, which is a surprising number next to them, but looking at what they did against the teams that they're playing again this year, I had to put them for one win because they only had, they didn't have any district wins last year. Both of their wins coming out of district losing that season finale to Wilson was a su- little bit of a surprise there. Stanton one win in the shortened season. Do they get it? I don't think so. That's another one. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't see it. I really hope I'm wrong. I really like what coach Phillips uh, can do. I, I I've enjoyed his coaching career so far. I enjoyed his playing career. Um, I, I want to see great things for him. I think it's gonna be a tough year at Stanton. So, uh, I'm actually with you. I, I, I do worry about them even getting that one win. So, uh, and that's not an indictment of coach Phillips. I mean, we, you touched on it's, it's a short season and it it was going to be a hard season for Stanton either way. Cut your preparation time in half and 
cut your games almost in half and say, good luck. I mean, it's, it's going to be really hard. Go prove us wrong. Go prove us wrong. All right. Uh, now we have, I've lost my spot. We got two wins on Wilson Memorial. They open the season with Waynesboro. Uh, they have the game against Stanton. I, I say they get, they get the two, but I'm not saying they go over. I'm saying even two wins. I agree. I have that too. For Defiance, I have as two wins. And this is a team, it's surprising to say that for a team that's gone five and five the last two years, just missing the playoffs. Now, all of a sudden, you're saying two and four is kind of their their mark, but they they haven't been special in the district this past season. And their non-district game against Rockbridge is an absolute tough one. Two wins, Fort Defiance. Yeah, I'm going to say two. I think if they had, you know... It's just hard to say more than that without seeing what kind of quarterback play they're going to have. If they have a yeah. quarterback who it, who turns out to be a guy they can rely on on third and shorts and second and shorts or turn second and mediums to third and shorts and stuff like that, then maybe they do find a win against Buffalo Gap. But right now, I would say two wins is probably about right. It's a, it's a tough schedule they have. Um, then we go to, I guess we're to the Bison out of Buffalo Gap, and I have them down for four wins. We talked a lot about that four and two mark uh, in our preview of them. Joe, do you think, I mean, you were leaning maybe towards the negative. Do you think they get four, or are you saying they go worse? Well, I just said they're going to beat Fort, so yeah, I'll go four. Um, They're not going to lose to Bath. Uh, I think they beat Stanton and Wilson, so. As much as I want to say over for them, I, I just, I can't. I, at this point, I can't. When they get to that week where they play Stewart's draft, maybe I'll, I'll be convinced by then. But at this point, I'm not making that prediction, so I'll, I'll only be able to claim the prediction uh, from a future point. I can't go all the way back to preseason if, if they are indeed uh, better than that 4-2 and two mark. All right, Stewart's draft, five wins. And, you know, I put five wins on there. I, I tried to make this one of our, our tougher picks. That Glenver game at the beginning of the season, right off the bat, makes you, makes you start looking at that five wins. Obviously, Riverhead's at the end and all those other district games in the middle. Stewart's draft, Joe, I'm going to let you go first. Five wins for Stewart's draft, over, under, or the same? I think that's spot on. I think they beat Glenver in the season opener. I think it's a tough game, but I think they win, and then I think they cruise through the rest of the district until that final game against Riverheads. I was, I was hoping you'd pick the under there, but I'm also pick, saying the even. I got five wins for Stewart's draft. I think it's going to set up that 5-0, 5-0 matchup with Riverheads at the end of the year. And we'll hype it like crazy, I'm sure. Riverheads, Gladiators, I mean, should I put six wins or ten wins on this? What, I mean, we, we both say, you know, are they are they going to win? The, it's four playoff games. It's mm-hmm. four, four plus six is ten. Um, so yeah. I'll start. I'll do it the same way as we do all of them. Six wins. Do they, do, they, do they go undefeated through the regular season? Yes. I agree. Does, does anybody in the regular season get within 21 points of them? That's your mark. That's what you like to yeah, say. That's what you've been saying for two is, years that here. That is what I like to say. Uh, you know what? And I'll, full disclosure, I don't know anything about Taswell for this year, but I'll go ahead and say no. No one's within three scores of Riverheads this year in the regular season. All right. All right. We'll see what we get in the playoffs. Honestly, Riverheads have no. been so dominant in the playoffs these last <laughs> years. It might, no. it might be an easier road uh, yeah. once you get there. Uh, maybe not in the state final. Maybe they'll – find somebody to go hard up against them or maybe yeah, let me say sell, this listen to joe let me go ahead and say it. this yeah let me undersell our product for the state championship um <laughs> uh, the stewards draft 
or Tazewell games will be the two toughest games Riverheads plays this year. Yeah. Playoffs included. I, I agree. I like when Riverheads plays through in the last game of the season because Riverheads always plays really well after that. Um, one year Stewart's draft beat them. I think that was the, I don't like saying losses are good for teams, but that woke that Riverhead team up. There was adjustments made going into the playoffs. I think they had a bye week that next week, but they made adjustments on who was playing fullback, who was playing tight end, who was doing what. And it was the adjustments they needed to dominate the rest of that season and, and go win a state championship after that. They played them in the season finale last year, and it was kind of a springboard. I, I think they were kind of getting used to what they were doing, beating the heck out of everybody. They played a tough Stewart's draft team, a team that was was tough. And they really took it to him, and I think it kind of woke him up. Like, hey, we're pretty, we're we're pretty good. It's time to go do this. And and then they they dominated in the playoffs. So, it'll be an interesting season. We will be here every single week talking about all these teams, all these games, bashing on each other for any predict- predictions that we get wrong. Uh, well, Joe, I don't think we're gonna have any different though. Like, that's the thing. This year is gonna be boring. We're gonna have to throw yeah, some. So we're gonna have to throw yeah. in some out of district stuff. We, we, we tried to in the radio in the past. Uh, just a heads up for our usual listeners. Uh, looks like at this moment, it looks like I might be doing more Riverheads games through the NFHS app. Uh, so listen for me there. And we'll be talking about that as the season goes on. I think Joe will be uh, with the radio a good bit uh, as we go forward. And I'll probably be plugging in where I can. Uh, it's it's the, the year or so plus of differences and so it's just gonna be a little bit different this year but i think things will get back to normal eventually but uh so hey you can listen to our voices in multiple locations i think it's it's just good for everybody <laughs> sure yeah i don't know if they would agree <laughs> but yeah i don't know what my mom will listen to on friday nights now that's my issue will she listen to me or is she gonna listen to joe deck you know <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say anything i mean she'll make the right Yours decision is on the am radio <laughs> yeah mine's free i'm just saying losing a using losing battle here. yeah I, mine's free you get you get to hear me for free folks so you know i'm not going to be able to explain to her how to log on to nfhs while i'm calling the game so yeah it might, might rule it out so <laughs> just turn on those right. am radios yep well everybody's excited for football and so are we but let's get into the d block and talk about some other stuff D-Block time here on the Yak Sports Podcast. I'll kick it off on what's dominating my life. I know I talked about Shits Creek, and I didn't just curse. I talked about Shits Creek a couple weeks ago because I was just starting it. We wrapped it up. I liked it. I thought it was a good watch. You know, we're not we're not comparing this thing to The Office. We're not going there. It, it's no, it doesn't touch The Office. It was good. It was fun. It, it was a different show. They have these characters in a setting that I guess was familiar to, to you and I, a rural area. Um, and these, you know, high money people getting dumped into this place unexpectedly. Um, and it was fun to watch what happened in that show with these characters in in that environment. And I think it produced a lot of comedy that is not just the same old joke told time after time on sitcoms every single night on ABC, NBC and CBS. I liked it. Um, there was, I liked the fact that there was some, um, different uh cultures i guess thrown into uh this environment and and they were accepted like that really wasn't a point of a show um one of the main characters being um not straight heterosexual heterosexual um i don't i don't know what other word to put to it because he doesn't even in the show and the fact that it just goes on 
balanced in the town. Like no one really has a problem with it. It just kind of flows. I, I appreciated that out of a show um, that, you know, just kind of accepted differences uh, in times like this. And, and it was presented in, in a nice way throughout and they didn't really deal with, you know, like homophobia or something. And it, I think it made the show lighter and nicer in that sense. But then all at the same time dealt with very serious issue issues for people, uh, you know, living, living that way. And uh, for them to have the character arc that they did in that show, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed. So um, probably getting outside my wheelhouse here on, on, on this, but I enjoyed the show and um, you know, the Levy dad and son were the creators of the show and the main actors of the show and the pieces they put around them with uh, Catherine O'Hare, the mom from home alone. She, her character was crazy. Um, just everybody that was in it, some familiar faces and some other people that did a really great job in their roles. And it was as a fun watch and I recommend it. You know, it's not the best thing I've ever watched. And I think the Emmy love that they received in September probably made it seem like, Oh, it's the best show that was ever made. It's not, but it's worth your time and it's, and it's nice. And I think it's a comedy that moves, you know, moves us forward. It's, it's new jokes. It's, and it's accepting of things that we shouldn't be talking about if they're accepted or not anymore. So I enjoyed it and uh, I recommend it. Yeah. It's on my list. It's on my list. It's one of those things that, um, you among other people have now said, you should watch this. You would like it. And I just, You'll like it. I'm very nervous to start new things, and it's um, it's on the list. I just have to it's get to it. It's light though, too. Like it's it's a half hour comedy, but twenty some minutes or whatever. Like yeah, that that will it help it dominate your life. Yeah, that my dominating my life segment. That will help it. That it's short and I can watch it in quick bursts. Um, because watch one or two and get on. Yeah, yeah because um, yeah, I right now I mean it's been. It's been something where, like, on a new show, I'm like, oh, man, hour-long episodes. or, And they've been heavy kind of things, too, usually. So, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll be able to watch it some this weekend. I don't know. No All promises. Right, Joe, if you can fit it in this weekend or not, but what is dominating your life? Well, it's time for the weekly Joe Knows the O's segment. Now that the baseball season is here. P's and C's reported last week, which means everyone is excited. Obviously, that means Adley Rushman, who won't be on the Orioles opening day roster, but he is the number two prospect in baseball, number one in our hearts in Baltimore. Um, We love him. Uh, But I want to talk about fan graphs. Look, I know the Orioles aren't going to the playoffs, but to say we have a 0.0% chance, the Pittsburgh Pirates have a 0.1% chance. I dare. I don't understand that. Yeah, I (laughs) dare fan graphs to tell me three Pittsburgh Pirates players. They can't. <laughs> so I, I just, I like to me, I was like, you know, that's ridiculous. 162 game season. There's no, there's not even a 0.1% chance. Oh, because the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be so good. I can't wait for those syrup suckers to choke and not make the playoffs again. I hate everyone in the AL East, oddly, except the Tampa Bay Rays. And I think it's because the Tampa Bay Rays don't have any fans outside of Dick Vitale, who is one of the nicest people on the planet. The Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays, hate, hate, hate. I will never root for any of those teams. I can't imagine a scenario where I root for those teams to win a World Series, ever. I just can't. Even if it meant like, Joe, we need the Yankees to win to save the planet. I would just be like, well, I don't want to live on a planet where the Yankees win a World Series, so let's blow it up. Melt the glaciers. I don't know. Whatever we got to (laughs) do. 
But I also want to talk about Buster Olney because Buster Olney, when asked about the Baltimore Orioles in his Major League Baseball preview, was like, oh, I don't know how we got to a place where tanking for four to five years has become acceptable. Oh, I don't know, Buster. How do you think the Houston Astros got to be the Houston Astros? How do you think the Chicago Cubs got to be the Chicago Cubs? How do you think the Atlanta Braves became the Atlanta Braves? By sucking for four to five years. It's called a rebuild, Buster. The Baltimore Orioles aren't the first team to do it. You just don't like the Baltimore Orioles. And I don't know why. Probably because you're a Boston Red Sox fan. And you're also going to be the same person who's like, well, baseball doesn't need a salary cap. If you want to prevent teams from doing this, you absolutely need a salary cap. It's how you prevent it. I hate baseball writers because they're dumb. They act like the Baltimore Orioles are the first team to ever try tanking. Why don't we go after the Pittsburgh Pirates? They have a lower payroll than the Orioles, and they have no hope of winning ever. They don't even have a good farm system. So what the hell are the Pittsburgh Pirates doing? I don't know why. I don't oh, know we why don't, going we're not going to talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> we're going to focus on the Baltimore Orioles, who have a top-ranked farm system. Their rebuild might work, so let's poop on them. So in three years, all these same people, when the Orioles are in 2023 are making a run, or 2024, and they're making a run, it'll be these same people. Wow, the Baltimore Orioles built, they built from the farm system. They did it the right way. Oh, okay, because three or four years ago was the worst thing for baseball. I hate You're them. not keeping receipts on this. Oh, yeah. Receipts are oh, being my kept. Goodness. Receipts are being kept, and ESPN, I'm just going to say, this person deserves to lose their job. Look at what they said. They obviously don't know jack about baseball. They're a clown. You know you don't hear this from Jeff Passan. You know why? Because Jeff Passan's a professional. There, I for, said for it. your own happiness, I'll, I'll play like, can I, can I like be a advisor for you? You might want to have like no. future time limits for your receipts. Like don't do four year. Like I'm going to hold on to this for four years Yep. because in four years, I'm going to really show this person. I'm saving them three, four years. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh gosh. I've already like tried to block out the guy's name because I hate him so much. He was the guy last year that I was talking about all the time. Uh, I, did, I thought you already hit him. It'll come back to me. Ken Rosenthal's one, but it's not he's not the one I'm thinking of right now. I talked about him almost ad nauseum last year. Yeah, but he was like a year. Baltimore writer, wasn't he? No, he used to be. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, chased yeah, him yeah. out of town. <laughs> Buster, you're next. Um, let me just say this. Buster's not welcome in Baltimore when we're in the World Series. How about that? He can't come because we're so bad for baseball. He can't come. He has to go write about it from his house. You guys had a hot August last year. I, I don't know. I don't know why you're at zero. I don't know why you're at zero. Why can't you have a 0.2% chance? Yeah, why? just give me a 0.1. I'm not even asking for 0.2. Just say 0.1. If everything falls into place, the Orioles could make the playoffs. 0.1. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for a lot. Our pitching's better than it has been most years. You don't have to win the division to make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah all we on. have to do is be a wild card. Ugh. I mean, I, I guess that's giving it. the credit to the Tampa Bay. Like, you're, you're using well, your... Tampa Bay's not even going to go to the playoffs. They said Tampa Bay's only got a 30% chance. The Blue Jays yeah. and the Red Sox are magically just a lot better. The Red Sox because their name's Boston, I guess. And the Boston Red Sox and Toronto because they've made some offseason moves that I'm sure this won't blow up in their face like every other time they've done it this past decade. So, What do you know that I need to know? I doubt you're going to say something I don't need to know. It's just stuff that I've been nice about and not talked about. You need to know it. Liverpool is struggling. Um, the Merseyside Derby was horrible. <laughs> I watched it, and it was rough. I mean, the first three minutes of the game were already down a goal. I'm like, all right, well, not great. Uh, and then it didn't get better from there. Uh, we lose four straight home games for the first time since the 1920s. We lose at home to Everton. Jeez. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're doing great. Um, we, we lose to Everton at home for the first time since 1999. 
think it's the first time we've lost to Everton, period, since 2010 or something like that. And it was just, it was a nightmare uh, losing to Everton in the Merseyside Derby. But I want to say this. Liverpool fans are like, oh, Jurgen Klopp's lost his touch. You know, maybe he needs to step away from the club, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, kind of like we said with JMU women's fans, except Jurgen Klopp's actually, you know, won the Premier League uh, as far as, you know, a year ago. Yeah, last, what, last season. What do you <laughs> want? And, and I saw, you know, some, I won't name drop because it won't mean anything to the audience, but there's a former player who's now a pundit in England saying, you know, I'm tired of hearing the Virgil van Dyke isn't playing excuse for Liverpool. Injuries happen. Yeah, it's not just Virgil van Dyke. It's Virgil van Dyke. It's Joe Gomez. It's Fabinho. It's uh, Jordan Henderson now. It's uh, Joel Matip. It's your five best options at center back have all been hurt now. So it's like saying to a team, look, I know you're on the fifth string quarterback, but I don't really care. Why do you keep losing? Uh, I don't know, because we never planned for something this catastrophic. Yeah, and they I, weren't saying that for the Cowboys last year when they were on their third, fourth quarter. When yeah, they I mean, again, it's England. I'm telling you, think sports fans are crazy here. Just watch Europe. watch soccer in Europe and you'll get to see crazy. Um, because there are, there. I mean, there are fans that are like, this guy's lost his touch. He's got to go. I mean, look how far we are down in the standings. Blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm like, okay, well, one, we're up in our Champions League fixture uh, against RB Leipzig. Uh, so I'm not that worried about the Champions League. Uh, the Premier League is lost. Manchester City's going to win. And that's terrible because it's oil money. But it is what it is. Um, I just, I, I'm not reading too much into a season where we lose five different center backs, including people that aren't even center backs, but we had to put them there because we had lost the first three. So you move him, you move some midfielders back. Oh, and they're hurt too. Okay, great. So now we don't have a midfield or a center back. There's two back back guys in the middle. You, I, I, I understand, but you equated him to quarterback. I would put him more like middle linebacker. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. Okay. Pick your position. I guess middle linebacker, I guess linebackers plural, because you have more than one starting. So, yeah, let's say you run a 3-4 and your two middle linebackers, boom, beginning of the year, out out. Okay, yeah. you put you put two other you put another guy back yeah. there. He's and out. And in all honesty, uh, watching NFL coverage, I bet they probably would be like, "Well, why are they so bad?" Cuz I mean, the Steelers lost all kinds of guys last year and people are like, "Steelers are just falling apart." Well, it's cuz they had a lot of injuries on defense. Like, and no one Yeah, had, I mean, at I a certain point, you're right. At quarterback, if you were listening to a bunch of forwards, maybe people wouldn't be saying that. But I think it's the difference between offense and defense. And, and I, I do think in this country, people would overlook that and be like, what, well, what's going on? I don't know. I mean, I think if you lose like five linebackers, eventually people would be like, okay. Because it's all at one position. I don't want to find out. One of my Steelers. It's all like at one position that this is happening. It's like one position these players are getting just decimated on just bad luck. And so you're like, okay, like you chalk it up. All right, it sucks. I don't like losing, but it happens. And so hopefully we'll do well in the Champions League. I doubt we win the Champions League, but let's make a run at it and see what happens. And then next year's another year where hopefully these guys will be healthy and we'll be better. I, I just, yeah, I mean, when you lose five center backs, it's just like pulling teeth with some of these people. And they're like, well, that's not an ex- injuries aren't an excuse. It's next man up. I'm like, says a bonehead. Like, okay, 
There's a reason Gary also, Lineker's a pundit, not a coach. It's because, or a manager, as they like to say, it's because he's not very good. It also give you hope next year when you get guys back that you can. That's the thing. Rebound. Next year, yeah. I'm not even worried. Next year, we're going to be top of the table, right there with Manchester City. I'm not worried about next year at all. I think we're going to be fine. Yeah. All right. What I know that you need to know is that I'm tired of Jay Billis. I'm not saying he's bad at what he does. I think he's built his stardom at being a college basketball analyst from being good at what he does. I mean, heck, they used to have him on ESPN all season, and then CBS would take him away for the tournament. Like, he was that good, and he was worth it. I just feel like he's molded into this, like, advisory role where he feels it's his position to tell all of us everything that's wrong with the NCAA and he uses his platform to preach that at all times. I'm not saying anything he's saying is wrong, but it's almost like, okay, we've heard you. And then I also feel like he puts himself into the middle of the coverage more than like most announcers that I can really recall, especially in college basketball, where there's so much story in college basketball on normal years with the fans and the following and, and the, you know, the traditional winning of teams and upsets and court storming. And, you know, there's so many good characters throughout the sports and these coaches that we all know, there's so much story to cover there. I don't know why we need Jay Billis, you know, in depth for five minutes on tonight's coverage of the Syracuse Duke game, talking about his interaction with coach Bayheim and how they disagreed about the Duke player that, you know, is sitting out the rest of the year and Bayheim says, Hey, Duke's better without him. And Bayheim's or, and, and Bayheim said Duke is better without him. Bayless is like, well, why are you saying that? I wouldn't say that. That's, that's not the place to say this. And it was just like a five minute discussion about like his involvement with Bayheim. It drove me crazy. And that's just the most recent example. I think this all the time, I think they've propped him up into too much of a star and I don't think it's beneficial to the coverage. And so whatever role people have figured out for Jay Billis, you know, go be the commissioner of the NCAA, go, you know, run whatever new college platform they create. So these top teams are in their own thing and people make money and, and whatever. And he he's going to be the head of it. Go do it. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'll listen to you when you talk once a month. I'm just tired of hearing you four games a week or on college game day or this just with the same repetitive high and mightiness that isn't surprising coming from a Duke guy. I just, I'm, t- I'm done with him. I'm Love tired of him. That. I'm done with him. Love that dismount. Yeah, I just want to say it's president of the NCAA. But yeah, uh, I get what you're trying to go for. Um, and I'm with you. I, I do. Just make him president of the NCAA because it sounds so simple. He's got all the answers for the president of the NCAA and what they should be doing. I just wish they would make Jay Bellis president of the NCAA and we could see how the NCAA is supposed to be run, I guess. Uh, I, think gonna, the NCAA, I think the NCAA would be done and killed within five years based on how much he just wants to give away to players. And I'll say this. Do I have a problem with the names and likeness? Players getting compensated for that? No. That's fair. It's when people are like, these kids are being completely taken advantage of and blah, blah, blah. That's where I run into a problem because it's where we as a society have devalued an education. Um, As a person who luckily came from some means, not, you know, wealthy, but my parents did well enough to be able to help me with college a little bit. And even with that help, it took me 10 years paying off student loans. And I just finally, last year, was able to finally finish paying off those student loans. Um, A full-ride scholarship would mean a lot, would have meant a lot to me. 
So when people are like, a full ride doesn't mean anything to these kids, I'm like, well, maybe because they're not in the classroom, but that's on them, not on the university. University is giving them a chance to say, hey, for 99% of you, this sport is not an avenue for professionals. It's even higher than that. It's even higher than that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is an opportunity for you to get a college education to better yourself post-college. If they don't take advantage of that, that's on the kid, not the university. That's not the university's problem. So, yeah, I just, but this this attitude of like, well, we need to give these kids more money and it, we should be, you know, they should be able to pay these players and whatever and, and X, Y, Z. I'm just like, no. See, I, I think there's too much money involved in college athletics now. Like, when Jay Billis gets on there and says, the top paid state employee is a professional or is a college coach in pretty much every state in the country. And he's right. That's a problem. But the solution to that is less money, not more money for the players. That's not the solution. It's yeah. less money for I, the coaches. And we could have a whole segment talking about that whole aspect of it. I, I, everybody get all in uproar about the, the food for the kids. And there was all these rules around the There's food. No, it got no kid. Yeah. It and also pretty quick. Also, let me just say this. I was at JMU. No athlete went hungry at JMU. So I have a hard time believing Kimba Walker was starving at UConn. I, I just don't believe it. But they still fix that issue quick. For the as bad as run as the NCAA is, they reacted quickly because it was a stupid issue. It makes you think of these paying these players that's a continual story for the last two decades. Maybe it's not as cut and dry as, as people all try to make it out to be and as Jay Billis does. But either way... Go fix it, man. Go have your own. Well, because here's the other thing, right, that they don't want to talk about. You open a nightmare of a Title IX issue the second you start doing that. Because you can't just pay the guys. you got to pay the girls. But the girls' programs aren't necessarily revenue-generating at at most schools. The the national soccer team, we're having this argument right now. The men's team gets paid more than the women's team. and, And as unfair as that seems... I definitely think their hotel stays, their travel and stuff like that should be equitable. But beyond right. that, the FIFA men's world cup makes a heck of a lot more, more money than the women's does. That does mean something. And it, it's going to mean something to these college sports too. And I'm not trying to, in no way am I trying to be uh, disrespectful to women's sports. I love, we talked a lot about women's sports on this program today because we like it and we care about it. But as a country, as a consumer, the money's not there like it is for the men's sports. The Super Bowl is a man's sport for football, and the minor league of it is college football. Those are the two biggest things, and those are men's sports. It, it isn't equal. You need to have it equal where it can be, and on ca- college campuses, it, it better be. You know, uh, tutoring and facilities, making an effort to get them close. I know football is always going to have better, but that's the big money thing. But past that, like, you shouldn't be building a men's practice basketball facility and not a women. <laughs> like, everybody should be using the same stuff. But yeah, you're going to have all kinds well, of Title IX issues do this, that are unsolvable that you're not you're not going to just blow past. Yeah, and the second you do this, you're also shrinking the number of sports you have because yes. and, and the poor Best NCAA athlete everybody. that I keep hearing about, you know, baseball programs will be cut, softball programs will be cut, field yes. hockey, lacrosse cut, track Look what cut. What happened when the pandemic started? Swimming Big cut. Schools, yeah. Stanford cutting major programs, not you know Coppin State, Stanford cutting huge programs, big schools powerful money driven schools like Stanford cutting big time sport. Crazy. Crazy. So yeah. And, and, but they will be the first ones complaining then. Well, you can't cut them. Oh, that's not what we wanted. Okay. Well then shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Yep. Yep. 
So, but where I started, I'm tired of Jay Billis's mouth. And uh, I'm not saying he's wrong about a lot of stuff. I think we hit on some stuff I do think he's wrong about. A lot of what he says when he starts, you know, propping himself up about how smart he is, he does say things that make sense about in-game basketball decisions and stuff like that. And his argument with, with Bayheim wasn't wrong. It's just he he's too big for his britches, and I'm done with him. Well, yeah, I don't disagree. Before we get out of here, uh, Cody Elliott was on last week. Uh, the dude is having a tough time right now with a close loss. Um, if you follow him on Twitter, you've seen about it. Uh, if you are unaware of it, uh, find it, find the information. I'm not here to spread information like that, but you need to be thinking about Cody is, is my, our point. He's been on this podcast as much as anybody. He was our first podcast guest. He was our podcast guest last week. Uh, Cody Elliott needs your thoughts and prayers. So, uh, be thinking about him, uh, during these tough times for himself. And, uh, I just wanted to say that for, for our good friend, Cody. Yeah, that's very appropriate. And, you know, I know that's not, while this isn't the message you're passing on in the shout out form, I also want to thank him and Patrick Kite, who's another guy who comes on here, the local high school sports writers that cover our area and still with everything going on are doing their best to give you as much content as they can uh, for high school sports so you can be able to follow that. Um, so just want to thank them for that uh, with the winter season winding down, but now we're getting into fall and then spring right after that. They don't they don't have the usual break uh, that they kind of have for maybe a week or two in between. It's it's kind of all running right together and all jam-packed tight quarters. So yeah. State uh, championships on Sunday, season openers on Monday. Yep. Yeah, so um, I just want to thank, thank both of them for their hard work uh, for the area as well. But we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook. You can find us Yak Sports Pod, like us on Facebook, or you can email us yaksportspod at gmail.com with your questions, comments, concerns. Uh, if you have any comments on anything we talked about, feel free to reach out to us again on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, on Facebook. You think Yak Jay Sports Billis's Pod. mom listens? You think she might tweet at us? I don't know. I, can I be honest? I just don't care. Jay Billis makes more money than Jay Billis does not care what you or I think about anything he says or does. Jay Billis is not going to be able to hear us over the sound of his paycheck cashing. So that's fine. Um, but make sure you subscribe. Yeah. What is that? Uh, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you never miss another episode. And be sure to tell your friends here in Augusta County. We will be talking about Augusta County sports for the rest of the season while they go into high school. The fall sports in spring, uh, or I guess winter, but whatever. Um, winter, spring, fall, winter. Yep. Spring, fall, winter. <laughs> Glad you're with us. And um, again, thanks to everyone out there listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Until next week, folks, have a good week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.